Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Everybody and welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry here with C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. Hello, may the Dow be with us on the Taoist Anarchy Hour. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So today we've got some listener emails and we've got a topic we didn't get to yesterday uh, on last recording, which was about the kind of essence of the Dow. And so let's see here. How about? How about let's start with the essence of the Tao before we get to these uh, two listener emails, because I was I was thinking the other day um, that the Tao is almost like a it, what one of my perceptions of it is almost like a theory of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about some yes. kind of scientific theory that links everything, and I thought that you know many years ago Lao Tzu or whomever. <laughs> Uh, Someone, <laughs> yeah, had this, you know, revelation through all this wisdom that he had accumulated, and saw the through line that connected everything together. That kind of was the sheet music to the Universal Symphony, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he kind of came across this and saw it as the Tao, which is like a metaphor to this dance that the universe is doing, and this art of living and kind of it all encapsulated into this mystery that he's describing to us and the more we read about it and the more we think about it and the more that we learn about it the better we can align with this right Mm -hmm. so it's almost like my perception of it is not that the Tao is you know it's obviously it's formula it's formless it's all this like i don't really see it as a mysterious substance or a mysterious maybe an energy but but I see it as more of this accumulation of this kind of universal physics, mm-hmm. kind of. And it's mm-hmm. like a metaphor that brings all of this together, whether it's, you know, the ether, or whether it's actual physical processes, mm-hmm. or whether it's actual sound waves, or mm-hmm. all these different kind of forms and substances. Yeah. All comes together in this metaphor. It's kind of how I interpret the Tao. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just wondering to get your opinion as a Taoist priest. Do you see what is the essence of the Tao a, a metaphorical thing, or is it an actual physical? To use physical, you know, it's kind of a limited term, but a physical thing. Or how, how do you perceive that? Well, <laughs> that's a that's a great one, isn't it? It's all of the above and more. Ah. <laughs> yes and no, and all, and all of the above and more. Okay, you know, obviously, in one level, the Tao represents all things that are found in our reality, 
things that are both seen and things that are unseen, things that are known and things that are unknown, things that are perceived and things that cannot be perceived. And just because we can't perceive something doesn't mean it's not there. Right. Yeah. There are things that we're sitting in this room right right now we're not perceiving necessarily. Things along the uh, color spectrum we don't see. Yeah. Uh, certainly the uh, EM spectrum, we're totally unaware of. Right. Probably all kinds of cosmic radiation going through here right now. Right. Do we see and feel and perceive all that? No. no. Does that not, mean not it, consciously. Not right? consciously. Does that mean it's not there? Not at all. Not at all. And does it mean it not having an effect on us? Probably not at all either, right? right? So the Tao is, that, that's why Lao Tzu wisely, first thing out of his mouth, the Tao that can be spoken, it's not the eternal Tao. Right. See, that's the wisest thing he ever said. You know? right. Everything we're saying is not the Tao. <laughs> right. Because the Tao is bigger than all of this. Right. You know, and, and you, can't, you can't define it because defining it limits it. Right. So um, I was trying to define it. In his loosest terms, just kind of put it slightly in a box, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to slightly box the doubt, you know? Yeah, but calling it metaphorical, I think, is, um, uh, is okay, because certainly it, 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 it lives and exists on metaphorical levels, right. you know, as something that relates to something else and is a good kind of all-encompassing description of smaller things that can be related to a larger concept, mm-hmm. you know? Um, again, the, you know, the, the ancient Chinese saying the universe is in fact a sea of qi, a sea of energy. And the, similarly, the word Tao is a metaphor for all sorts of correspondences and relationships that can often be perceived, but not readily discussed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because discussing it, we, we have to break it down into something that's more manageable, Mm. something that uh, we can both agree on. Oh, this word means that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, when this word may not mean that at all mm-hmm. to you or to Sally over there yeah. or to Paula over here <laughs> or to yeah. Bob back there, you know, that th- this term may mean something entirely different. And, and, and the fact that it means something different to everyone is telling in and of itself mm-hmm. And even there, we likely have missed the essence of what this concept actually is because no one, no one individual can conceive and perceive all of that. Right. Uh, it's not possible. You can't take everything in at once. No. You know, there's the, the founder of, uh, of General Semantics, a man named... Korzybski? Lord Alfred Korzybski, one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. His book, um, Science and Sanity, classic. Yeah. You know, he talks about what he calls the structural differential uh, and the original event, kind of like something that occurred within the Tao. Mm-hmm. Now, and then that occurs, it's out there in the Tao somewhere. Now, here we are, the sensing human being. Now, through our five senses and our thinking, we have to try to perceive and conceive <laughs> of this event mm-hmm. in the Tao. Uh, to what extent... Are we going to be able to do that? Uh, Only to the extent that... You know, so here, here's an event that's 100%. It's an event. Boom. Whatever it was. And then we have our five senses. How much of that event, whatever it was, are our five senses going to be able to apperceive? 
how about our brain, our, which, which of course is reduced to words and, and word associations. And how, things how, that we've learned previously. Right. We might not have a, a file. Of, we might not have a template that even encompasses this reality yeah, so at all. Yes, we file it incorrectly. And so we, we call it something else that we do have a name for. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like this. And so yeah. that's how I'm going to categorize this in my brain. It's going to go into that file. Right. You know, where the thing out here that happened in the Tao is what it is in its fullness. And so there were aspects of that that never, ever even touched home in terms of our perceptual apparatus. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. ne- it never even hit us. Yeah, it didn't, not even on the radar. Yeah, no. And, and so even the part that we were able to perceive and label was very limited, extremely limited. And so you talk about being out of, you know, the definition of insanity is being out of touch with reality. Mm-hmm. Well, so on, on one level, we're yeah. always out of touch with reality. Yeah. I mean, that's why so many crazy things happen in this world, yeah. uh, actually. Uh, actually, that's probably kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, what do we do as human beings? We try to explain this to someone else. Right. Using our limited awareness and con- conceptions and perceptions and language uh, to someone else who, of course, is equally limited in, a, in their own unique and different ways. And so every time we try to explain this to ourselves or to someone else and then to someone else and to someone else, he, uh, Korzybski called these uh, uh, levels of abstraction. Right. Uh, be, because it's not the direct contact with the thing itself, which, of course, in its fullness is not possible. Right. Like Lao Tzu said, the, you know, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. But that has to be okay. We have to be okay with the mystery. We have to be okay with, with the fact that we can only conceive of a lot of this metaphorically and through association and through our language, which by definition is imperfect. It's symbolic. Right, right. You know, a language is a symbol right. for something else. Right. And it's that something else <laughs> that's out there that happened in the field of the great Tao somewhere that we are trying to as Taoist, at least, we're, 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 we're opening ourselves up to that level to things that we cannot define fully, that we know we can't even experience fully. Mm-hmm. We're not even completely aware of it because of the limitations of human perceptual awareness and right. human thought right. and language. Um, but what, has, what that leads to, unfortunately, in the world are people talking about things they don't understand, <laughs> mm. explaining it to other people who don't understand it, and then trying to make rules, laws, uh, true, truisms out of this, how many levels away from this reality of the Tao? Yeah. Uh, 20, 30, yeah. 40? You know, there's, there's, a, there's this old saw in psychology, you know, that if you say something to someone at the beginning of a, of a row and then have them whisper to the next person, and the next person, the next person. You know, by the time you get to 20 people down the road, you know, it's totally different. Yeah, it's you know? telephone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it has nothing to do with the reality of what was said. Now, if, if that happens with something that simple, can you imagine on the level of the great Tao, you know, how, how disconnected we are from reality? Yeah. That's why I said, you know, we're, 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 insanity is kind of our, the, the way that we, we kind of exist. One of my, another one of my favorite authors... Uh, this famous um, British uh, Scottish psychiatrist, R.D. Lang, Ronald David Lang, mm. he wrote um, 
uh, a book back in the 1960s called The Politics of Experience, okay. where he said essentially that normal man, the average kind of Joe <laughs> and the politicians that, they, that represent the normal man, the no, our normal state of being, he said, is insane, right. completely insane, because so-called normal people in the last uh, 50 years have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellows. Right. What remotely is sane about that? Right. Nothing. Nothing. And, and yet we're calling ourselves and our societies, you know, that are that is legitimizing this genocide that's going on all the time, reality. We and sanity. Civilization. Civilization. Well, there's nothing civilized about it at all. Right, right. And, and yet this is our, our, our MO, right? Our, mm -hmm. our, our modus operandi. And so we, that's why we need to be so careful and so humble and approach our, our words and our thinking with a sense of humility because at one level we don't know what we're doing. We yeah. don't know what we're talking about. We're acting as if we do, and we're creating policies and procedures and rules and regulations and laws based on a um, uh, an, an inaccurate set of assumptions. Right. And that's why I think the results are often so negative, mm -hmm. uh, not only to people, uh, but to the environment, to mm -hmm. the ecosystem, mm -hmm. uh, because it's obviously not in harmony with the Tao. Right. And that, so it's almost a way the... Lao Tzu is is protecting the sanctity of the Tao by not by keeping it in this metaphorical exactly. realm. Exactly. And so maybe we evolve to, and then we'll need the Tao Te Ching too, <laughs> in which spell it out a little more. But hence, what's this Tao all about? <laughs> right. Right. We're trying here. Right. Well, that was a fantastic explanation, and I'm just going to listen back to that and assume I was just right. <laughs> so I was right. Thank you, Dr. Cohn. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the infallible human mind, right? Cherry-pick everything that agreed with my assumption and do that. Um, so we can't help ourselves. I know. Let's see here. So we've got some listener mails here. Uh, and we get, and for everybody who sends them, we not, not everyone gets to the show because uh, we get we get a lot, which is fit, fantastic. So please keep them coming. Um, I also, I think it's it's valuable for people to just articulate their own questions and ideas. Right. You know, my, my Zen master was here a few weeks ago, and uh, he said the important thing is not the answer; it's the question. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the fact that you're asking questions. Uh, is is consolidating certain things uh, for yourself in yourself, and that's important yeah. just for your own evolution. Yeah. And it's and it's good for me too because oh, I, it's great for us. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we get to think about how we feel about things, and and sometimes um, I don't know the answer, and I don't feel qualified to give answers on everything. So you know, I always forward everything to you, but I'm just like. <laughs> this is out of my pay grade. <laughs> and then, like I said, I've got, you know, my other priest and abbots and, of course, my own teachers that I talk to about these things all the time. Right. And uh, then try to bring some of that back to the program here. Right, right. It's all everybody's just kind of figuring out. We're all part of a network. That's right. Yeah, that's true. We do have this wonderful network through this show. Uh, so here's one I, I really enjoyed. It was from uh, someone in uh, jolly old England. Mm. Hi, Todd. 
First off, I absolutely adore the podcast. Uh, being a 16-year-old living in rural southwest England, wow. information in Taoism is relatively limited. And so your podcast has really helped me open up to the world of Taoism and widen my perspectives. Your humor and insight always brighten up my days and really make me think. Well, thank you. Uh, my questions are about Taoist concepts, so I apologize if they've been asked before. My first is about the source. Lao Tzu constantly refers to the source and talks about returning to it. Does it mean literally, as in returning to home and family after straying, or does it mean spiritually, as in becoming balanced and not working with extremes? Uh, so, and, and there's a, he has a second question. So let's address the first part about the source. Um, well, first of all, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear from someone so young and aware. Right. That's great. You know, he's 16 and asking, you know, very nice questions about existence. That's terrific. Yeah. You know, so when, when I said, I said, you know, Toby, I said, dear Toby, you know, when Taoists refer to source, we're speaking about the great Tao, the whole of existence itself on one level. And, and most of our issues and problems stem from a sense of separation from this divine source. Mm -hmm. And so returning to this infinite ocean of all possibilities is naturally healing on many levels, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And so the traditional way of accomplishing this, of course, is quiet, seated meditation. And so there, there's this great Tao source, and then, of course, is our own inner nature source, too. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the true power, of course, is when those two are aligned. Right. <laughs> Uh, leading to manifestation, the death, the death, right. <laughs> you know, the the virtue. Two, two plus two equals the death. Yes, right? yes. And then I think he had another question too. Right? Yeah. Well, I'll give my response um, that I had for this. Oh, and okay. I, and I, when it comes to the source, I went to chapter sixteen, where Lao Tzu says, "Returning to the source is stillness, which is the way of nature. The way of nature is unchanging." Knowing constancy is insight. Not knowing constancy leads to disaster. Knowing constancy, the mind is open. With an open mind, you will be open-hearted. Being open-hearted, you will act royally. Being royal, you will attain the divine. Being divine, you are at one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal. And although the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. So it's almost like this cycle of once we kind of... Um, kind of realize this stillness, yes. uh, then, you know, once we kind of come to this understanding, um, which leads to insight, and then an open mind, and an open heart, and these things all kind of snowball, <laughs> it starts with this kind of returning to the source, coming to the one, uh, seated meditation, uh, going out into nature, yeah. um, quieting our mind, and just getting to that point of almost what feels like emptiness, and, and that, that's kind of returning to the source. So I, I told them, on the surface, we are stuck in our minds and see ourselves as thoughts, likes, dislikes, opinions, tastes. But these things ultimately change over time. They are transient. But on a deeper level, which we can find through meditation and experiencing things that put us in the flow, we can tune into a deeper self. This sense of self and reality isn't bound to the transient notions of self that change over time. When we tap into this source, we see how we are interconnected and even more so intertwined with everything around us. The question becomes, how did we get to this place? The question becomes, how do we get to this place? It's easy to talk about, but how do we get, quote, there? Mm. 
I find that meditation is a great way to get closer to the source. Also, other meditative activities, such as being creative, writing, or playing a sport, can put you in that direction. You may have done like these things free previously, but never found the source. But try these activities while focusing on your mind, sense of self, and watching the transient things about you melt away. This sense of source develops over time, and you become adept at dropping into that headspace whenever you like. I've heard that when people talk about Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, that when he was in the zone, time slowed down and he could see the play developing before it happened. This heightened awareness is clearly a man playing with the power of source. As a great musician playing a solo knows where other musicians are going, knows where other musicians are going before they get there, and is so completely enveloped in the moment, everything transient about him becomes, uh, goes completely out the window. At this point, the surface level sense of self is almost a mask. Yeah. So that's kind of when I, my thoughts. Um, let's see here. And then he said, this is a powerful one, which could, we could talk about for four days. But uh, my second <laughs> question is about the afterlife. After, after Carl Totten mentioned his uh, leader being on his last life slash incarnation, I wonder what Taoism says about souls reincarnation, and whether or not death is final. I apologize for having such loaded questions, and I look forward to the next <laughs> podcast. May the Tao be with you, Tobias. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and again, back to that same chapter, uh, the chapter 16 of the Tao Te Ching, as for the afterlife, Lao Tzu said, as you just said, being divine, you will be at one with the Tao. Being at one with the Tao is eternal. And though the body dies, the Tao will never pass away. Right? So, as we merge with the Tao itself, we move towards the infinite, which as pure energy is eternal. And so my Zen master, in looking at this from a kind of a Buddhist tradition, he, at times he will discuss multiple lifetimes, and he, as an individual who is always fully present in the moment, and therefore no longer creating karma or imbalance, he has become liberated and has no need to return for another physical existence. Thus, he is a last returner. He's off the wheel, you right. might say. So, um, you know, and so we, we know that energy, even physics, you know, it can't be created or destroyed. We are all pure energy. So the physical body, yes, it will go away. But this energy, this spirit, no, it's not possible for it to go away. Right. It is one with the Tao, which is pure energy in itself, right. and as being uh, uh, connected with and a part of that, and it literally created from that, it is that, and mm -hmm. it cannot, it is eternal. And I right. often say to people, you know, if you're going to be here eternally for the next several uh, billion light years, you might as well have a good time. <laughs> right, right, right. That's a long time to feel bad. Right, right. Bummed out. That's a long time to be uh, uh, addicted to suffering. Right. right. You talk now. Talk about hell. Now that's hell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's hell. So again, thank you so much, uh, Toby. Blessings. May the blessings of the Tao be with you as well, young man. Thank you. Uh, I, I wrote to that, I said, in my understanding of the Tao, I've come to embrace the idea that there is no afterlife. Personally, and this belief comes from studying multiple sources and a few heavy life experiences, I believe that when we die, our bodies return to the earth, and the energy that animates us is released back into the universe. 
Some might say this energy is Tao or Tao is energy or however you know you like it. And energy cannot be created or destroyed. So the spark of life in you is eternal. It was there before your birth. It was bef there before your physical body and be around long after. Your body is just borrowing it for the time being. Mm -hmm. Coming to this realization that there is no afterlife was depressing to me at first. We'd all love to see our loved ones after we die and see the bad guys be judged. But after a while, it made me truly appreciate this incredible gift that it is to be conscious and experience life right now. Knowing that this amazing show of light, sound, and energy will one day be gone gives me all the reason to enjoy life and spread all the love I can while I'm here. It brings a sense of urgency to every moment that isn't there when you think there's another showing of this movie called Your Life. <laughs> May the Tao be with you. I forged your email to Dr. Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, that's great. That, that was my hot yeah, take. That's great. But I think that, I, you know, I think there's something really, uh, you know, beautiful that this kind of consciousness that I'm currently as Todd Perry, human being, you know, ends. Because, and that, again, in that way, it gives meaning to everything. In, in, in a weird way, it, it's almost like your life becomes meaningless because it ends, right? In a weird way. But it becomes more meaningful because it ends. Yes. Right. And so each, each moment, is, it's, it's important. And again, it's a, if I knew I was going to be around forever, then maybe I'd be less likely to be good. Mm -hmm. Or, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's like those great series of books by um, Carlos Castaneda. Yes. About, uh, you know, his uh, mentor, Don Juan. Yeah. Who said that death is always right over your left shoulder. <laughs> right. And we had to use death as an advisor. Mm -hmm. Because knowing that we're going to die makes every moment precious. <laughs> right. And it makes you not want to waste this life that and you have. Yes. We, can't, we have no time to waste. Yeah. We have to live fully present in the present moment. Yeah. And that's the nature of being one with the Tao. Yeah. And so that's, it's, it's very important. So thank you so much. And very cool that... 16-year-old kid is uh, thinking this No, way. I wasn't thinking that way when I was 16. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... It was, I think, maybe... For, I, maybe I, I, I was about 18, 19. I started to go way, way... Wait a minute. Way <laughs> what's going on here? here. Yeah, wait. Things are not as they seem. I did start taking martial arts at 15, so I did do one, one smart thing. Good. <laughs> that was good. Let's see here. So we have a second email, and this this one's this one was I I thought this was uh, cool. It's about well, it's funny we have this story of the sixteen year old who's kind of waking up to something, and now we have someone in their forties who's mm -hmm. kind of waking up. Um, and so I thought this was a powerful uh, email, and I I didn't really give much of a response because I I didn't feel I had any good enough answers for him. And so I forwarded it to you, Dr. Totten, but good afternoon, gentlemen. I have a few questions about the Tao in my life that I'm trying to reconcile. One, how do I begin to understand what my true nature is? Based on your teachings, I do understand that this may take time. I guess what I'm asking is where do I start? For 42 plus years, I've been shaped and molded to meet the expectations of others. My childhood was spent trying to live up to the expectations of my family. I spent a significant portion of my life in the Army, living up to even more expectations of others, and my professional life outside of the Army is no different. I have all these external expectations and influences in my life and that I am only now beginning to realize don't align with my own sense of balance and harmony. 
I really don't know who I am or what my true nature is. I was a stereotypical soldier and, and become a very stereotypical bureaucrat. This is like one of the most mm. powerful things. Yeah. On, on, I mean, obviously his honesty shows that he he has a glimpse of who this person is. He knows <laughs> yes. he's out of harm. He know, like yes. you know he's. <laughs> it's almost like he sees himself as like a. You know, they, they have the big block of marble and you carve it into a statue, right? <laughs> but it has to be a very powerful thing to come to that realization and you've de- developed this whole life and you're almost like, oh, I want to get out, get out of my own skin. But One it's of the most important brave. questions to ask is, uh, is to realize that you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> yes, and that's what he's saying <laughs> here. Like, he's I saying. don't know what I don't know, but I know that there's something out there. Yeah. I have an inkling. Important question. <laughs> yes. So what, 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 would, what, what advice would you give for him to kind of start chipping away at that marble um, and, and becoming, and becoming his, his true self, I guess? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, this is one of the ways I uh, answered him. I said, you know, thank you for your important question. It's a fundamental one, which has been asked since the dawn of man. <laughs> and it's a tricky one because it requires both action and non-action at the same time. You know, in order to evolve or wake up, we obviously need to attend to these matters. But yet, if we strive too hard, our very striving pushes it further away. So again, it's paradoxical, like so many Taoist teachings appear to be. Um, It's more like easing into who we are by paying close attention to those quiet inner voices, instincts, and intuitions, and then simply observing them while basking in their soft glow. And over time, this simply becomes who you are most of the time. When you grow into your essence, you grow into your essence if you're paying attention. Most people, of course, are not (laughs) and remain more outwardly directed towards the demands of society or others, kind of as our uh, listener mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, being externally validated and externally driven. And that is ultimately unsatisfying because they may have nothing to do, to do with who we are. Right. And, and external validation never aligns internally. Because it's, it's, if, if I feel like if someone praises me for doing something good, I often think, well, it wasn't, wasn't that hard, so I don't – I feel like I'm being overpraised, right? <laughs> but if sometimes I try real hard in something and no one praises me for it, <laughs> then I get upset, right? So in the end, it's – you know, life is golf. Or I'm just trying. You're just trying to beat your own score. You know, instead of beat the guy next to you. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like you're playing. You know, what's the audience? What's the audience you're playing to? Yeah. You. Right. Yeah. You're you're playing to your own audience. Right. Really, and your own inner sense of am I being true to who I am? Right. The, the second that we need external validation. We, we, we've just kind of missed it a little bit. Right. I, no, that's, very, that's a very good point. So in, in this situation where um, uh, our, the listener thinks that he's living the life of kind of a bureaucrat, which is form, uh, following a lot of rules, regulations, arbitrary ideas, you know, forced onto him by authority, mm-hmm. that I think when you start kind of questioning the authority, I think that also kind of, allows more of you to flourish mm-hmm. and to get out from beneath the burden of authority. Right. Just by questioning it, not necessarily, because if you're in a career, and it, yeah, obviously but, lots yeah. of things the military does are very important mm-hmm. that, we need, uh, that we need in this country. Um, so I think that the idea of kind of questioning the authority gives himself some more space to grow. 
and then and and starting to again the internal gratification versus mm-hmm. outside validation. Mm-hmm. That's why I said to him, I said, Robert, you know, this relates to your second question here. Uh, he asked, is it possible to separate my attempt at practicing Taoism from a job that is ultimately anti-Tao? <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and him, him being kind of in the military, the, a lot of us all have jobs that are anti-Tao. You know, uh, I, most people probably have jobs that are anti-Tao on some level, unless their job is being a Taoist priest or <laughs> something like that. Like everybody has some kind of conflict, even moral mm-hmm. conflict with what they do. I find it hard as somebody who works in advertising that sometimes there's an angle of manipulation mm-hmm. in advertising, and I don't feel comfortable yeah. with it. You're trying to get people to do something You're or trying, buy something or right. whatever. Yeah, and but. You know, so I think personally, as long as I'm being honest about the product and/or service, then I'm I'm uh, absolved somewhat, right? Well, you know? Part of the eightfold path of the Buddha, right? Right livelihood, right? Yes, and yeah. that and that's important. But it has made me, you know, challenge certain things or want to kind of move away from certain types of work, and and hopefully to have the luxury to do that because yes. you know, people are just trying to get by and. Uh, I think uh, a full uh, some kind of Mark Twain. It's like a a full belly allows one to kind of think about these philosophical issues. <laughs> but when you're hungry, you oh, know maybe absolutely. aligning with the one you know is not top yeah, of mind. Yeah. The first thing is getting food in your belly. <laughs> Survival. It's always not, first, right? <laughs> first, first rule of the show: don't die. Second, start to think about it. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the, well, the rest of his uh, question, Robert's question here, he said my. My job requires me to follow regulations and policy. I write requirements for contractors to follow and evaluate their progress you know, throughout a contract. It's very dualistic in the sense of yes, no, this, that, acceptable or not acceptable. I, I feel that I may have become two different people regarding the duties of my job and my desire to understand and practice Taoism. On my breaks, I listen to your podcast extensively and read various books on Taoism. When my break is over... I almost have to flip a switch to get myself back to what my job requires me to be. Is this practical, healthy, and possible to do? <laughs> I have many more questions, but I don't want to overwhelm you both. <laughs> well, that's well, I guess it's. Um, I mean, if it's you know, obviously, if it's if it's torturing someone so much, there are many people that start second careers, you know, later. Yeah, we are. Um, that that is. And, I mean, and it, often that's why. Yeah, and often they're like, I, wo- I woke up and this isn't who I am. Yes. I know, I have a lot of friends that, and it's funny, it's lawyers. Some of my friends yes. that were lawyers, <laughs> by 35, they're like, you know, they, they, have, they, they make a lot of money doing it and everything. And they're like, I have no life and I have all the money in the world. I have nice things. And you know what? That great re- reward isn't paying off. And they're starting to move to more kind of spiritually centered lives. Plus, they feel lousy about a lot of what they're doing. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I would. That that would be terrible. It would be. So I, you know, so another thing I said to Robert, I said, while your job may entail certain activities, how you engage in them and with what spirit is up to you. That inner glow and ambiance coming from your unification of self with the Tao won't be missed, and you, as the embodiment of yourself in harmony with the Tao, will bring abundance to all who interact with you. 
So again, the spirit, you know, where are you coming from? That old hippie saying in the 60s, yeah. where are you coming from? Where are you coming from matters because you can be trusted if where you're coming from is an authentic place mm. that is in alignment with your own inner nature, in alignment and harmony with the Tao, which means that you're taking in consideration of the greater, the greater good and the greatest good for all, mm. not just yourself, right. <laughs> because we're all in this together. Right. And so if that's where you're coming from, then you can be trusted. Yeah. If that's not where you're coming from, then that's when you start to feel disharmony, I think. Yeah. And now he's feeling that disharmony. Now, an interesting thing would be, because maybe it's just not practical for him to up and get a new job. Right. But he can use his, if he's in kind of a, I wouldn't call it bleak, but if he's in a bleak or kind of spiritually not fulfilling position in dealing with this type of bureaucracy, he can choose to be a light in that dark environment. Exactly. And he can bring his, his goal, his, um, his, his, his purpose can be, be to bring light in kind of an authoritarian situation yes. and help those around him, A, you know, turn on to some stuff through his actions, mm -hmm. turn on to some ideas, but you can't, you know, yeah, he can be a light to those around him. And you know, for example, for many years, you know, when I was training to be a psychologist, I worked in um, uh, psychiatric institutions, mental hospitals, mm -hmm. or even in general hospitals, but within psychiatry. And the people I, I am working with are, are in the hospital by law because they are a danger to themselves or a danger to others, or they were just so gravely disabled that they couldn't even function uh -huh. as a result of a mental illness. Mm. So these are people who talk about being down in your luck. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're kind of at the margins of society. Uh, many of them have a chronic, had a chronic mental illness, which affected their livelihood, their relationships, their ability to have a family or to connect with their family, their ability to get along with people. They have all these inner demons because they're either they had a childhood that where they didn't learn how to adapt and adjust and have a, a good relationships and a good attachment style or so on, or and or they had a brain and nervous system that had they had these kind of inner demons, you might say. Yeah. And um, so they're coming at all times with from a position of disharmony, shall we say? Mm -hmm. How am I? to relate to them. In, well, I'll tell you how. Yeah. <laughs> Invariably, I treated every one of them with great respect mm -hmm. and kindness, mm -hmm. all of them. So, no matter where you are or what you're doing, you can treat people with great respect and kindness. Right. You could be working in a prison <laughs> with right. people who are in prison. Uh, you could be a prison guard, but, and, and it's very easy, since these people are marginalized, it could be very easy to treat them badly, poorly, you're judging them, they've done bad things. Uh, but, you know, they're, they, they, they have been sentenced in here, maybe for life, but how you personally decide to treat each one of them is up to you. Right. And so I think that even in the worst situation, and maybe that's the worst of all, right, being a prison guard. Oh, yeah. But there are prison guards who are brutal and sadistic and others who are very fair and um, respectful yeah. in their interactions 
you know, with the inmates that are under their supervision. Mm. That's a personal choice. And I think we all have, we all have free will. Therefore, we all have personal choice in th as to how we treat uh, other people, regardless of the situation. Again, there may be rules, regulations. Obviously, in a prison, it's filled with rules and regulations. Yeah. But how you tr individually treat people is up to you. Right. It, very true. Uh, there's a book by a guy named Bo Lozoff. It's called We're All Doing Time. <laughs> and whether one is in a jail cell or whether one is free, we are all are kind of in our own prisons in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book. And it was like a lot about meditation and stuff like that and how uh, he helped people who were in prison kind of find happiness in spirituality in a very, very dark place. Yes. Very important. And it, it's funny. Um, when you're in situations with people that either they're just not exposed or they're not open-minded or whatever, and you talk about the 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 Tao, you know, I was at a, a recording session for a radio commercial I wrote. It was with a guy, you know, really, really, really good guy, really client I really like that uh, runs a mortgage company. And people like that, they tend to be a little more conservative or they tend to be a little more, you know, not into esoteric Asian philosophies. <laughs> so and he was talking about maybe doing a podcast or something about mortgages or something, you know, and he was talking to my boss. Boss goes, oh, Todd does a podcast. So he goes, oh, what's your podcast on? You know, this kind of thing. I was like, Taoism. You know, and you can see sometimes people's eyes kind of <laughs> phase out or roll like, over. Like, huh? What? Like, oh, it, it, it just it, it triggers in their brain. They're like, oh, this guy's a nut. <laughs> right? You know, you're like, well, it's about, and you start, and then you can't, you can't give somebody the, uh, Three sentence sentence elevator pitch on Taoism. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? So you have to actually. So people think you're not crazy, and again, this is external validation. But you you, you have a business partner. <laughs> you don't want them thinking you're into some weird stuff. And so you're like, well, it's blah 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 blah. And, and then you have to go into a longer conversation, which maybe they don't want to engage in. <laughs> so then I just kind of walk out like a tail between my legs. <laughs> what are you gonna do? But it is funny when I explain to people. Uh, this show I do and stuff. Uh, what? Huh? It's kind of like this. It's, you know, maybe you like it, whatever. <laughs> Say, yeah, here, here, listen to it. <laughs> right. I think I'm going to get some cards made up, little business cards with the name of the show on it. Oh, yeah. And, and where to access it. Oh, yeah. That just great. came to me just now. Good. <laughs> As a matter of fact. Came up with an that, idea. That everyone that we meet, here. Take a listen. Here's what this DAO is all and, about. Uh, yeah, hand out your card yeah. <laughs> about the DAO. Wouldn't I, that be cool? Yes. Here's, here's, <laughs> I'm going to do that. Here's, uh, this will change your life. Yeah. The, I, I have found that I have been getting a little more brazen with people about this stuff. Where I, I'm, I've now found myself a couple times browbeating people into meditating. <laughs> like I'm out there the night with a, with a, a buddy of a buddy and we're having a beer and I'm sitting there I'm like here's it and, and I'm like I'm sorry I just went off on you for 12 minutes about monkey mind but <laughs> it's probably like I never want to go out with that guy again he's a nut but you know <laughs> more beers that's right that's right so I said you know to Robert you know congratulations on finding the path towards wholeness and best wishes as you grow thanks for listening to the show May the Darby with you, always. Yeah. Very nice. Hopefully we got. Hopefully we got close to something there. Uh, I think yeah, we did. you know. Again, you know the 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 important thing is the question, as my Zen master said. Mm -hmm. He's answering. He said, "Not matter so much. 
Question, very important. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Jeopardy. <laughs> I like to think everybody flips to what's this dial about. And, and, and one more thing. Oh, yes. One more thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Just one more thing. You okay. know why? Because it just came to me. Okay. Uh, it, well, it just came back to me. <laughs> ah, returned. Returned to the source. A short poem nice. called Urge. Today I saw a million birds flying south with an irresistible urge. If only we could master that yearning, turned into love, we'd have peace by morning. Oh, very nice. Is that by your, your, yours truly, yourself here? Yes. Very nice. Oh, I'm, we're still waiting for the, uh, the book, the poetry, to come out. I've got 16 of them ready. 16 books? Yes. Wow. Very nice. Very nice. That's one of the poems. Ah, very good. Very good. Learning to go south and return it into love. And with that, thank you for listening to What's This Tower. Out. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs>